You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. What do we gather here? Well, God has charged us with certain responsibilities, certain duties. And God has also charged the rulers over the people. Remember now, Solomon was to be David's successor with special responsibilities and duties. In fact, a lot of what is recorded for us in the book of Deuteronomy has to do with the charges that God had laid out for the kings of Israel. The book of 1 Kings tells the stories of the people who would serve as king of Israel throughout the years. God calls these kings with certain and specific responsibilities as the leader of the people. Some kings did a good job, others not so much. In today's message, Pastor Mike will remind us that God gives us certain responsibilities as well. While we might not be kings over nations, we are still adopted into a royal family. God gives us instructions on how to live according to this new calling. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Kings chapter 1 as he begins his message, Final Charges. First Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. The title is Final Charges. So let's go ahead and read that text of Scripture, and then we'll open up in a word of prayer and ask God's blessing on the remainder of our time together. So First Kings chapter 2. Now the days of David drew near that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth, be strong therefore, and prove yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may fulfill his word which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel." Father, I pray that you minister to each one in a very relative and personal kind of a way. And Lord, you have that capacity to be able to do that. Lord, we, we, we confess that we are a needy people, that we need to hear from you. So Lord, we've come to receive of you. We expect to receive of you. So Lord, just speak. God, give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us as individual members of this uh, church. God, we thank you. Uh, Bless the remainder of our time together now as we study your 
your word. Father, I pray that there wouldn't be anything that would stand in the way of our receiving from you. And as always, God, I'd ask that my words would be your words. For we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So once again, the title is Final Charges. Okay, so let me set up Bible study for you. Obviously, David is dying. Remember last time, in our introductory message, I mentioned how that David's health was failing him. A nurse actually had been assigned to him around the clock, and his strength had actually left him. And so David is dying, and so therefore he calls for his son Solomon. That, of course, was David's successor uh, to ascend to the throne. He summoned Solomon to his bedside in order that he might give to his son this fatherly counsel and advice that served up for us here in our text. Now, let's go to that text. Notice in the first part of verse 2, David recognizes that, and this becomes our first point, and that is death is inevitable. So if you're taking notes, you might want to write that down. This is our first point. Death is inevitable. It is an experience for every man. Notice how David refers to this, and he says, I go the way of all the earth. And although we know this in principle, we always think that death happens to someone else and not me, especially those of us who are young. You know, we think that we're going to live forever. We think that we are eternal or immortal. And the truth of the matter is we actually are eternal. We're going to live with God for all of the eternity. But as far as it relates to our walking upon this earth, you know, there's, going to, there's a day that's appointed then we're going to go home to be with the Lord. And we're going to shed this earthly tabernacle of ours, and we're going to put on that new body that God is going to give uh, to us. But, you know, the idea that, you know, people aren't prepared for dying, this is also why so often people are unprepared. For example, they leave their families without any insurance or without a will or any provision. You know, Amos, in his book, the minor prophet Amos, addressing Israel and the judgments that were about to come upon them because they had forsaken the Lord. And he said, prepare to meet your God. And folks, you know, I think that's what we need to take away from this message. We need to constantly be prepared to meet our God. And we don't know exactly when that time is, right? It's appointed once for a man to die, and then the judgment. We don't know when that's going to happen, whether you're young or old, you know, we really don't know when that time is going to arrive for any of us. So we need to be uh, prepared. So therefore, and this is what this message is all about, we need to realize that there are preparations that should be made for uh, death. Now, David obviously recognized this, notice here in our text, but also, I want you to also take note of how that David was so calm in the face of death. There's no panic, there's no fear in the inflection of his voice. He just simply says, in the way that he refers to it, I go the way of all the earth. You know, it's usually at this point where many terminally ill people would panic and they would fear. Why? Because of the un unknown. You know, David addresses this question in, I believe, the 23rd Psalm, which is known as, you know, the shepherd's psalm. And in verse 4 of the 23rd Psalm, he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. And thus is the case before us here. There is an absence of fear on David's part. Now, this calmness 
is quite, if you think about it, remarkable as well as interesting in respect to a lack of assurance in the scriptures of life after death and the resurrection. There's really not any clear teaching on the resurrection, on the subject of the resurrection, in the Old Testament, that is. That revelation of God waited upon the coming of Jesus Christ. Although there was a preview of it recorded for us in the 16th Psalm, and it's known as a Messianic Psalm, and it has everything to do with the person of Jesus Christ. But in the 16th Psalm, in verse 10 we read, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, or the abide of the dead, and this is in reference to Jesus, nor will you allow your Holy One, who obviously is Jesus, to see corruption. Now, presently, in the New Testament dispensation, through Jesus Christ, we have that assurance of eternal life. Let me give you an example of this from the New Testament writings. Remember how that Lazarus, Martha and Mary's brother, had become ill, and he actually had died. Jesus was summoned for, and he came after a period of a few days, but Lazarus had already been embalmed and placed within the, the tomb. He had already been buried. Martha, upon meeting with Jesus, said to him, Lord, if you were here, my brother would have never died. And how did Jesus respond to that statement that Martha had made? And by the way, it's recorded for us in John's Gospel, chapter 11 and verse 25. He said, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So today, if I was dying on my deathbed, and I summoned for my children, I wouldn't say, as David did, I go the way of all the earth. I would rather say, I'm going home to be with my Lord. And listen, today we have that assurance. You know, Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8. He said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So, we would refer to this death experience in different terms. And if there was no fear or panic on David's part, think about this now, how much more should we exercise confidence as his children? That is, we're going home to be with the Lord. We're actually going to a better place. We know what we're going to face, and we have hope for a great future. Now, with that said, that sort of sets the, the tone and the platform for this message. So let's get into that message that David delivers to his son Solomon. And notice the first charge. It's recorded first in verse 2. Let's go back to our text. Notice he says there, Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. So this is our second point. If you're taking notes, write that down. That is, show yourself or prove yourself a man. And so like a father, David wants his son to be strong. He doesn't want his son to be a wimp to wimp out. You know, it's always the desire of a father to see his son or his daughter enter into manhood and exercise strength to exhibit a strong uh, character. And that's my hope for my children. You know, we raised five children in my family, and it's my hope that they, after I expire, that they're going to continue to walk in the ways of the, the Lord and that they would show themselves strong in their character that they would show themselves a true man, a true woman. 
But that begs the question, how do you show yourself a man? Well, notice, let's go back to our text there in verse 3. Keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses. So, what do we gather here? Well, God has charged us with certain responsibilities, certain duties. And God has also charged the rulers over the people, remember now, Solomon was to be David's successor, with special responsibilities and duties. In fact, a lot of what is recorded for us in the book of Deuteronomy has to do with the charges that God had laid out for the kings of Israel. And that is exactly why David is declaring to his son Solomon, keep the charge of the Lord thy God. Now, I just want to zero in on a couple of those charges, and they're recorded for us in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 17 and verses 16 and 17, and it was served up as a warning. And God spoke, and he said that the kings were not to multiply wives or horses. Now, I find this to be a pretty interesting coupling, don't you think? You know, they weren't to multiply neither wives nor horses. Now, why was that? And what's the idea here? Well, first of all, wives. Lest they turn your heart away from the Lord. In other words, the idea here is that they would influence the kings to worship their foreign gods. Remember, back then they had multiple wives. And they didn't only marry people within their own race. They married outside of their race. And thus the possibility of them being influenced by the gods of their wives whom their forefathers had served. So therefore the warning, don't multiply wives. And then also the horses. Well, the idea here is that if they multiplied horses, and they would develop a strong military power, that is, the cal- a cavalry, they would be prone to trust and military power rather than just simply trusting in God for their victory over their enemies, and thus the, the warning not to multiply horses. But these were some of the areas in which Solomon had failed, as we will see as we continue going through the book of First Kings. And today, to the present time, all over Israel, these remnants of stables were built by Solomon. In fact, in chapter 4, we are told that there were 40,000 stalls that Solomon had erected for his horses. We read of his going down to Egypt to trade in horses. And of course, his number of wives is legendary. He had 700 wives. Can you imagine that? You know, it's all to do to please one wife, right? And can you imagine 700? Not only did he have 700 wives, he had 300 concubines. And guess what? As we will discover in 1 Kings in chapter 11, in verse 3, in one of our future studies, we are told, and his wives turned away Solomon's heart from the Lord. And so anyway, David said, walk in his ways, and every man has to come to a choice whether or not he is going to walk in God's ways or in his own ways. Now, there's a warning served up for us about this in the book of Proverbs, in the book of Wisdom, interestingly enough, by Solomon himself. 
In the book of Proverbs, in chapter 14 and verse 12, there is a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And oh, how that we need to live our lives as has it's been defined for us by God in his word. Listen, everything that you need to know about walking God's path has been recorded for us and preserved in the word of God. So, there is the way of the world, and there is the way of God. And to walk in the way of God usually means to walk against, notice I said usually, means to walk against the way of the world. Thus, this is where strength and being a man comes in. Remember the charge, be a man. And this is exactly where strength and being a man comes in, because this is what it takes to walk against the ways of the world. That's a real man who will keep the commandments of the Lord. That's a real man. That's a real woman who walks with God. And listen, the world doesn't admire someone who's committed himself to God's ways, They don't appreciate someone who stands up and walks against the tide and current of popular popular opinion and practice. You're going to find it takes a real strength and being a real man to do this. But David said, son, keep his statutes, notice there, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies. In other words, keep the whole law. Now, let me break these down for you. Notice there are four things that Solomon was to keep, the first of which is statues. Now, what does this refer to? Well, statues had to do with man approaching God in the tabernacle, in the tabernacle worship. All of that part of the law which spoke of the various sacrifices and the way to go about sacrificing unto the Lord. That constituted the statues. So that's what David is referring to here. The statutes has to do with worship. Now, in the New Testament, under the New Dispensation, in John's Gospel in chapter 4 and verse 24, as it relates to true worship, we are told we are to worship God in spirit and in truth. That is, with the help of the Spirit, looking to him for our strength. But notice, we are to worship God in truth, without hypocrisy. Do you see that? And that's the reason why David is encouraging his son to be a real man. It's going to take a real man to walk with God, to worship God in truth. But notice also, he makes mention that this is possible through the help of God's Holy Spirit. Oh, how dependent we are upon God's Holy Spirit to enable us to walk in truth before the Lord. So, Notice the next charge. He refers to the commandments. Again, this is a part of being a man, a true man, in the way that God wants us to be a true man or a true woman. He refers to the commandments. And, of course, this is a reference to the the Ten Commandments, the commandments of, of God. These commandments, even today, are still binding upon each and every one of us. Listen, our righteousness, our acceptance by God, is not based upon the Ten Commandments, but rather our faith in him. But nevertheless... He hasn't put aside the commandments, right? They're still uh, binding upon us, you know, as we walk with the Lord. So keep the commandments of God, and it's going to take a real man, a real woman to do that as well. And then notice uh, the next area, the judgments of God. 
And this has to do with those punishments that God had decreed upon certain types of crimes to be enacted by the judges of the land, so we are to keep ourselves from those things, as defined in God's word in the Old Testament. And then lastly, we are to keep the testimonies of God. What are the testimonies? What does this refer to? Well, it's God's witness and testimony. That if you do this, as is defined by the word, then God will respond in that way. So therefore, God said, I will bless you and prosper you. I will multiply you. I will be your God, and you will be my people, if you keep my commandments. That was God's testimony, all right? And so when we read the word of God, you know, from the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, to the last book of, uh, of the Bible in the New Testament, which is the book of Revelation, all of the instruction, all of the commandments, all of the exhortations, if we do, we'll be blessed by God. And I'm going to give you some cross-references for this in just a moment as we continue to move on in our study. But these are God's testimonies. And if we give ourselves to God's testimonies, God's instruction in the words, your life will be full, your life will be enriched, your life will be blessed. So, if you keep my commandments, that's his testimony. And God's commitment to those who would be obedient. But then on the other hand, if you don't walk in my ways, God said, I'll let your enemies overpower you, bring national calamity upon you. And that was also a part of God's testimony, wasn't it? Now, as we read the history of Israel, as recorded first in the Old Testament, we see how true are the testimonies of God. And it has been recorded for us in his word how he blessed those who served him, those who were faithful in walking in his ways. But it has also have been recorded of the judgments that came upon those who turned from the path of God. These are the testimonies. So David is saying to his son Solomon, be strong, son. Be a man. Keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies. Now, I'm so thankful, again, as I've already suggested, through the ministry and the operation of the Holy Spirit, that we have the resource available to us to be able to do what God asks us to do. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. In the book of Ephesians, in chapter 6, and verse 10, but we'll find these promises throughout the New Testament, but I wanted to zero in on this one. Finally, my brethren, this is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. He says, finally, my brethren, notice what he says. He says, be strong, not in your own might, but in the Lord, relying upon the Lord, dependent upon the Lord, looking to the Lord for our strength. In fact, the Bible tells us that when we are weak, we become strong as we look unto the Lord and in the power of his might. Not only in our own power, but in the power of his might. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house. You've been listening to In My Father's House with Pastor Mike Finizio. Pastor Mike has been making his way through the book of 1 Kings, and we've been talking about the building of the temple. The long, detailed descriptions can get overwhelming, but it has a lot to do with us today. If you think about it, 
Back then, the temple was where God's spirit rested, but now his spirit rests inside of each one of us. So when you see a description of the hundreds of decorative pomegranates, think about how your temple is decorated. Is it overflowing with the fruits of the spirit? Pastor Mike comes to us from Harvest Christian Fellowship in Manhattan, and he would love to see you there in person. It's not hard to find. There is easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th in Midtown Manhattan. You can find service times on our website, harvestnyc.org. Once again, that website is harvestnyc.org. If you can't make it in person, you can always catch up with us online as we live stream our services on Sundays and Thursdays. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram as well. Speaking of connecting, are you looking for something to help you connect in your daily devotional time with God? Subscribe to our podcast. It's sure to spark some great discussions with the Lord. Well, we're so glad that you decided to spend your time here with us today. But all good things must come to an end, and we're running out of time. We'll be back, though. Come meet us here again in my Father's house. <laughs>